we're still talking about God's will from Genesis 25. The title is, If All is Well, Why Am I Like This? And what we're doing, if you're not aware, is we're going through the whole Bible. Uh, so I'm not going exactly verse by verse, but through chapter by chapter and gleaming principles from it. And you can get caught up. This week, read Genesis 1 to chapter 25. You can actually read through the whole Bible within a year. If you just do it 20 minutes a day, you say, oh, that's hard. I don't know what's saying. Well, again, come Wednesday, because that's the main problem. Come Wednesday, because there's the Holy Spirit, there should be an excitement. An excitement. What does God's Word have to say to me today? Or if you doubt that it's God's Word, that's a whole other topic. Uh, once you deal with that doubt, once you have that fire of the Spirit and you're praying, you, you want to see what God... I believe that God still speaks to us through His Word. You, you have the words of the living God ready to speak to you. How, what, what a sneaky trick of the enemy to keep us away from that. Now this isn't, let's read a book. God wants to speak to us. His Word is living and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces. It divides. And that's why the enemy wants to keep you away from prayer and the reading and the application of God's Word more than anything else. Because that's where true, genuine maturity in the faith goes. And God's will actually isn't as hard as we make it out to be. If you're in His Word, you're praying, you're led of the Spirit, you're full of the Spirit, doesn't mean you're perfect. Who has to repent daily? Hello? But it doesn't mean we're going in the right direction. Actually, those who are full with the Holy Spirit know they have to repent. Those who aren't don't think they ever have to repent. The blame game. Let me shift the blame on someone else. Hey, I'm good, man. No, you're not good. You need that filling of the Holy Spirit. So the title is, If All is Well, Why Am I Like This? Can anybody relate? If all is well, what in the world is going on? And again, I've been talking a little bit about knowing God's will. And I'm a little leery to say this because now I'm going to really have to hold myself to it. But I've been working on a book, mainly just for my kids, on discerning and knowing the will of God. Filters. Your feelings have to go through filters. uh, the, The storms of life. And I'm hoping maybe just to release it to the whole church. At some point, I just need the time to write it. And a lot of the notes I've just been putting out there because the way our nation is going, it's really important that we begin to know God's will even more so than ever before. Because what happens when you can't buy or sell? What happens? You, you don't think they're switching to a digital dollar at some point? Cryptocurrency? Oh, Bitcoin's crashing. Well, guess what? Something's getting ready to be resurrected. Cryptocurrency, even whether the government starts it or somebody, how are we going to regulate that? And what am I supposed to do? And look at the school systems. And here comes, here comes you know, mask mandates again. Maybe the vaccine push. And you, you cannot navigate these waters in the flesh. You have to be filled with God's Spirit. Even though there's different views on some of these things, you, you have to be able to understand His will in your life and make right decisions, not decisions guided by fear. Anybody making decisions based on fear? It's pretty quiet. Making decisions based on feelings? I always get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it. Here comes the emails. I hear them coming. And I'm just, it's just a true statement. True statement. I, if I were a betting man, I'm not. The majority, the vast majority of those who fled California fled because of fear and feelings. I hate this place. I got it. I'm getting there too sometimes. I know it. 
I understand it. But we don't make decisions based on feelings and fear and anger. Just in the last week, I've heard from two people who have already moved who wish they were back. What, what, why? Because the grass isn't greener. When are we going to realize that? Abram would love to plant a church in East L.A., Inglewood. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. When you're in the center of God's will, right? See, we got to get back into what is your will for my life and then be willing to go where He says. And many of us are making decisions based on fear and feelings and not where does God want me. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to move and having a better life and a better school system. For, I got it. But just make sure it's bathed in prayer, the application of God's Word, you're going in the right spirit, the right, the, the, and God is leading you. There's a lot of safety in that. God moves people all over the place. But that's why we need to know God's will especially in these dire times, because we don't know where things are going. Especially if Newsom runs in 2024. That's a real fair election, so he might have a chance. Hold on, guys. I'm getting off track. Stop it. Genesis. I don't know, laugh or cry in some of these situations. It's like, Lord, please come Jesus. And that's why we have to, believe, we have to pray for our leaders. Because I truly believe that God can grab the hearts of the hardest sinner, of the, of those who, who, that's, that's what, when he starts, when he starts to bring revival, like I would read, uh, Billy Graham's, uh, journals or his biography. How many people, uh, came to, came to his tent revival in, in the LA, in Los Angeles? Known mafia, known mafia, uh, connections there in LA and New York and known just, just evil men would come to know the Lord. What's that? Louis Zamberini or something? He was one of the he was one of the Olympic sprinters. I won the Olympics and talk about having talking about having a difficulty. First, your plane crashes in the ocean and you're on a raft for forty days. And I think it's a Japanese pick you up and then you become a POW. It's like whoa, this guy. But he came to know the Lord. He was having vivid dream nightmares and different things and, and God just saved him and he's sick. So God can save the least likely and he often does. So he gets all the glory and all the credit. So finally, Genesis twenty five. Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And that happened a lot in the Old Testament we read about that the, the, the woman was barren and uh they would even have a higher value on children back then that they were a true blessing from the Lord and dealing with that barrenness. And the Lord granted His plea. Let's not miss this. The husband interceded on behalf of the wife. And the Lord granted His plea. And Rebekah, His wife, conceived. So she had a child in her womb. But the child, the children, struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? If I'm in God's will, what is going on? Haven't we all said that? I mean, many times I've said, Lord, if you call me to pastor, what in the world is going on? This is a battlefield, not a resort. I, I was thinking nice beaches and, you know, metaphorically speaking. But it, it's a battle. It's a warfare. It's challenging. If I'm in God's will, why am I going through this? And the first key here is God's will is not about our comfort. 
Now, I think it's good to, to relax from time to time and get the needed rest and, and the comforts of life. Don't you like going on vacation, spending time with your family and getting away? and All those things are, are wonderful. But His will will encompass comfort, but it's not necessarily about comfort. He gives us a crisis to conform us and a challenge to change us. And I don't know about you, but it's not very often I will make some drastic changes that God wants me to make without a crisis. Without a little heat being applied. Without a little difficulties. Or t- correct? So that's how God often changes us. We don't change when we're in the comfort zone. We change when we're being challenged. Because that leads us to look within. Self-reflection. If you can really hold on to this concept that God's will might take you through hell before you get to heaven. If you might say like Job, though He slay me, Yet will I trust Him. And so many people, if you can get this down, that I mean, we could even lose our life. Now in America, it's hard to really understand that, but if you, if you talk to somebody in the Middle East who becomes a Christian, do you know what they're doing when they get baptized? Often they say, this could cost me my life. And they don't get bitter, oh, I didn't get that parking spot. I didn't get that job. And, and I, 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 I'm not going, and they don't get bitter. They, they, they know what God's will involves. And so if you can say, Lord, your sovereignty is my sanity, no matter what happens. And I know it's easy to say it, trust me. So I, I'd rather say it than live it. But if you can understand, hey, no matter what happens, God is my anchor. I'm holding on to Him for dear life. I'm not going to waver. It might be difficult. I might have ups and downs. But Lord, I'm going to see this through and I'm going to, I'm going to follow you until the day I die. Life will become a lot easier for you. Because you're not on an emotional roller coaster. Anybody been there? Do you know it's funny that we get our word happy from the word happenstance? Which means what's happening to me. But true biblical joy comes from who's within me. And so I can have tremendous joy where most people would not have any happiness. Does that make sense? Because joy is an inner belief, inner strength in God and what He can take you through. And it changes your life. Um, I just want to brag even on the Harbaugh's. Are they here? Joe's here? I don't know if your wife's here. But it went through, I mean, a very difficult season uh, with their daughter. We, her picture's on our refrigerator. Prayed for her. And, and she's really, really improving greatly. But I've never seen Joe worship like I've seen Joe worship the last six months. I mean, talk about from where he went even a year and a half ago to where now it's what happened. Well, it wasn't a bed of roses. It difficulty and challenges. It breaks us. It humbles us. And then when we come in, we sing worship songs. Amazing grace. How sweet it is. It saved a wretch like me. Lord, you are my strength. You are my, you are my, my provider. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sikkanu. We know him as all these words in the Old Testament because he takes you through the storm and he, 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 he leaves me behind by still waters. He leads my soul into, into, he holds me, comforts me. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I have seen the risen Savior. My eyes have seen the King of glory and now you become a worshiper because God has touched your heart. So that's a wonderful thing. He gives us a challenge to change us, a crisis to conform us. And if I were to be honest with you this morning, I don't like this part of God's will. 
man, if I look over my life, broken and broken and broken. It's, it's, I'd like to tell you I arrived. But it's not, you're not going to arrive until you're six feet under. It just, it just happens and you, you better become better, not bitter. You better, you better humble yourself, repent, and let God change your heart. I remember, I don't think my daughter would mind me sharing, but this is a while ago. I think I shared with you a year and a half ago, two years ago. But we got home and she goes, she go, you know, so I'm busy and she goes, Dad, you're always praying for everyone else, but you never pray for me. Stagger, fall down. And so now I try to make it a point to pray more with my kids and, and invest into them. And see, so you have to have that breaking, right? What about, what about if I say, well, I'm just busy. Don't you know who I am? I'm busy. You know I love you. That's pride. That's making excuses. I can give you a thousand examples where I've been humbled. Have you? Amen? The, the kids do not lie. My, man. Spouses don't lie if they love you too. Lots of breaking, lots of breaking. It's a continual process. So she wondered what is going on. So she went to inquire of the Lord. Next verse. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. This is huge. This is, here we have, we, here we have Esau and Jacob. We have the nation of Israel and the Arabs. This is a big, big deal in the center of God's will. Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. See, this is different. The younger always served the older. The birthright was given to the older, the firstborn. But in this case, it's going to be reversed. The older, which is going to be Esau, is going to have to serve the younger, which is going to be Jacob. So apparently we know how they came out of the womb. In what order? When her days were fulfilled, God would say that quite often. There's, there's a season in life. You, you don't have a baby two weeks later. You have a nine months. There's a, there's a growth process that goes from this size to this size. And there's a, gro- there's a time of fulfilling. So many times we want something. God, I, I feel this. I, I feel you're going to do this in my life or I want this. But there's a, there's a waiting period. There's a time of fulfillment. Let, let you, let you grow. Let me, let me, I'm, let, I'm sorry, God's saying, I need you to grow so I can do in you what I want to do in you. And I was just thinking this week, um, you know, a lot of, of, when I got started in the ministry, uh, and then even after, you know, I've, I've watched, um, some, some pastors fall. And, uh, um, you know, I, I would follow their ministry. Some of them didn't fall, but a lot of pastors started out churches. Uh, like say Francis Chan started out and he didn't fall, but in his twenties, I think Mark Driscoll in his twenties, I think Perry Noble in his twenties, Steve Furnick in his twenties. I'm like, I'm glad God didn't call me in my late twenties. I'm, I wasn't even ready till 40. But isn't that interesting? Because God says, okay, here's what I've called you to do, but it's not fulfilled yet because I've got to hurt you in a good way. I've got to break you. I've got to humble you. I've got to get these, these addictions out of you or these strongholds out of you. I've got to get this, this pride out of you. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to get you ready so when you, you're called, you don't fall. You don't see a little apple tree producing 500 pounds of apples. 
it would fall, it would collapse. And so that just really stood out to me this morning when her days were fulfilled. Here's the nations, they're coming. Maybe that, that prayer is going to be answered. Maybe that, that, that what God's called you to do is, is going to happen, but it's not yet fulfilled. Now, I'm careful because I, those guys on TV say it's just around the corner. They're speaking of thousands of people. Your blessing is right there. You're going to be head, not the tail. You're, you're going to prosper. It. You just keep holding tight and holding tight. But if God is dealing with you about besetting sin, you better handle that first. Because our, our waiting period could be a period of delay. Because God is wanting to change our heart, wanting us to repent. I'm often shocked, and I've shared this before. Did you know the nation of Israel, once they left Egypt, they could have got to the promised land in about 12 days? Wait, 12 days? 40 years. Why did it take them 40 years? And actually, God destroyed every one of them in the wilderness except Jacob, except Caleb and Joshua. Why is that? Because my people tested me. They had stiff necks. They tested me. They grumbling and complaining. Spirit of offense. Critical spirit. And God said, I let them wander in the desert. And I couldn't fulfill my will in their life. And as much as I don't like to say that because it's not motivational, it's the truth. And I cringe sometimes when I see the guys on TV or radio even sometimes that are, they're speaking like so many people in this blanket statement that your, your dream is just around the corner. Your blessing is about ready to burst. And that can be very true in the lives of many people. You can claim that. I believe it. For example, if God puts something on your heart, there's a waiting period, you're pressing in, you're praying, you're getting rid of besetting sin, you're humbling yourself, you're, you're doing, it, it, it's just in that waiting time that God is developing you. And I often pray, Lord, am, am I wasting time in my waiting time? Waiting time? Is there something you want me to deal with that I'm not dealing with that is holding me back? There's a lot of scriptures on that too. And against popular belief, God is not a puppet master. He he gives us the ability to make decisions that will alter our course. And 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 if we're not fully surrendered to God, we can really jump outside of God's will. So twins were born. Twins were born in her womb. So a couple of things. She prayed rather than complained. She prayed rather than complained. Oh, who needs to hear that today? Four people. That's hard. I mean, that is a hard one. Because in, in, in complaining and grumbling is within us. Is it not? And I know I said that about California, but guess who has to deal with it every day, grumbling, complaining too? Hello? I mean, it's, it's like, here it comes. It's just by nature. Those darn officials. Biden, open the pipeline. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm going to get off track. Let's see. And this whole thing on electric cars just cracks me up because our power grid can barely handle what we have now. Come on, guys, stop, stop egging me on. Okay, <laughs> isn't it true? What sense? Common sense, you know. It's just, and also the husband pleaded. The husband pleaded and interceded for his wife. Guys, the husband pleaded and interceded for his wife. 
The defender, the husband, defended his home primarily with prayer. Guys, if you're not defending your home, if you're not leading in this area, let me encourage you this morning to do that. And don't say, oh, I bet Pastor Shane's home has all this in order. Nope. I'm up like four hours before my wife and she texts me, want to pray? I'm like, want to pray? I'm not even home. I'm gone. My day started. Let's do devotional with the kids. Okay, sounds great. And then all hell breaks loose. All the little ones don't want to listen. This is it's like what in the world is going on? But you've got to fight for those things. So we better plan on a family devotional tonight. I'm going to try it again. But they defend the home primarily with prayer. The husband is that that prayer warrior. And guys, let me just throw this out there. I threw it out there on Father's Day, and it was incredible how many guys came to morning worship. But then it's like. It's over. That has to be the, the, the pulse, the spiritual pulse of our heart. That's why we open at six in the morning to get worship on. We have communion every Sunday. Every Sunday is up here at communion and, and getting our hearts right before God. It's incredible. That's how you're going to defend your home. He also submitted to the needs of his wife. He also submitted to the needs of his wife. Did you catch that? I didn't say it the other way around. He submitted that dangerous word, that deadly word. He submitted to the needs of his wife. You see, biblically speaking, a man submits to Jesus Christ, and then the woman comes underneath that spiritual authority and submits to his leadership. But in doing so, he makes decisions as he submits to the needs of his family and his spouse. It's not just, I'm the man in this house. Machismo. You do what I say, when I say it. Didn't you read that Bible verse? Woman, you submit to me. He, that house is so out of order. If you ever have to quote that verse, you're in big trouble. Am I saying anything that is not correct? Submission is difficult. This whole idea of submission is difficult. Is If all is well, why am I going through this? And this often happens in submission. When we, when, let me give, let me define this. Last week I talked about this. Submission is yielding. Correct? So what happens if you go out to the stop sign leaving and you don't yield? I found it interesting this week. God gave me a great, just showed me something. Even a police car yielded to me. He wasn't going anywhere. We were just there. It was my turn. I, he had to yield to me. Normally, someone I would yield to. I would yield to him. But because it enters that he yielded to me, I got there first. See, that if you view submitting like that, it's a wonderful concept. I yield to the needs of this person, or vice versa, or the spouse yields to the needs of that person. One thing I've noticed with God is He will put something in your heart that maybe yet isn't fulfilled. For example, oh Lord, I, I think I think you want me to do that. Is that is that your is that what you want me to do? Is that your dream? Okay, I'll do it right now. And you fall flat on your face. Many examples. I remember when people were even telling me this, I felt it really deep down in my in my in my soul. I mean it was like, man, okay, I just don't know how to do it. Is when I would go and speak around two thousand three is when I started speaking, traveling. Almost it's gonna come out twenty years here. Um, a lot of people would say you gotta get this on radio, you should go on the radio, you should go on the radio for like eight years. And I could see it, I believed it, but what am I supposed to do with that? 
So finally, in 2009, I believe it is, I had a message, found a guy. <laughs> the funny story is, it's actually the 91.9 now that we own as a church. They actually wouldn't let me on in 2009. It, it, it was, it's, now that I'm thinking this is funny. So Morgan said, hey, why don't you contact KTLW, who's down in L.A., Jack Hayford, at Jack Hayford's church. I'm like, they're not going to let me on. That's a big station. And Gary Curtis, I'll never forget, he said, hey, we put you on Saturday morning, $50 for a Saturday morning. Whoa, talk about an open door. And then, of course, it snowballs and it grows. But you have these, you have God put something in your heart, right? And, and, and it takes time to develop. And I share with the first service, one thing I was just reflecting on this week is um, a lot of people who are my age, I could mention, you know, maybe some of them are a little bit younger, but you maybe Steve Furnick you've seen on TV or Mark Driscoll, uh, Francis Chan, um, and others. I, I read a Perry Noble uh, and some of them, some of them kind of, you know, had some issues in ministry. But a lot of them started their churches when they're like 24, 25, 26. I'm like, Lord, thank you. Praise God that I did not start my start this church at 26 or 32. Why? I would have been destroyed. I would have been kicked out of ministry because God wasn't yet done kicking the devil out of me. And so you see, there's a time. See, you're not. Maybe those people are ready. I mean, Francis held it together well at 24. I got to hand it to him because he. I couldn't do that. And then so God knows it when it's time. It's fulfilled. Okay, the nine month gestation period. Can we call it that for women? Is that okay? Okay. So there's a period where the baby is being developed, and now it gives birth. And so there is a time. There's a fulfillment in your own life. Now, before I forget. We can delay that fulfillment. Did you know that? God is not bound to just fulfill it whenever we want because there's something in our heart called sin. And if there's besetting sin, uh, for example, let's say God has called somebody to, to be on the worship team. How's that? Vocals. Or to preach. Or to teach. Or to start a ministry. But they're full of pride and bitterness and haughtiness and a critical spirit, you think they're going to get to that destination? They'll be humbled. And when they're they're ready, God could promote. I mean, just as an example, we've never, ever, that I can remember since we started the church, is if anybody came up and said, I want to be on your worship team. I want to sing. It's never happened. What? How does that happen then? Because we hear them. Oh, they can sing. Madeline, I didn't even know she could sing. She can sing. Her blessing. I don't know if she's here too. But when it was 2014, we were at 15, 30, somewhere. We were at a kids camp and blessings by herself on a guitar. I'm like, Morgan, you didn't even tell me she could sing. She's been coming to church for a year. How do we know these people can sing? Or Pre. Remember Pre before she moved? She just starts singing back then. I'm like, that girl can sing. She's in see, let God let God exalt you. Let God promote you. Let, uh, let another, not, not, not the words of your own mouth praise you, but let the words of your own mouth praise you. And even when Brant was leading, I heard him at our old location, like he can sing. And Starner, and I mean, I just go go in the Marlowe's when they were here helping more. And you could see that it wasn't this self-exaltation because God will hold that person down until they're ready. And Rebecca and Isaac submitted to God's will. 
And that's another key to being led by God. Folks, did you know this? To, to, I want to know God's will. I want to hear His voice. I want to, do you know He has us yielding and submitting a lot throughout our lives or throughout the week or throughout the month? And as we yield to certain things or submit to certain things, God's will becomes clearer. And that, because that's a principle. That person's like, no, I'm not yielding to anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm the captain of this ship. I, I, do, I, I don't yield to anybody. They're not going to be led of God. Because that's not a gentle, humble spirit. Who's that old singer that used to sing that? My way. Frank Sinatra. Yeah, I couldn't get that song on my mind. I haven't heard it in years. But, you know, I'm going to do things my way. And God, it's hard. God has a hard time moving that person who wants to do things his own way. Because God teaches the humble and the gracious His way. He leads those who are willing to follow. So let's talk about submission for a little bit because Rebecca and Isaac submitted to God's will. And this is another key of being led, led by God. Now, for those who are offended by the word submission, is there anyone out there? No? It's okay. Balcony? Okay. You probably wouldn't be honest anyway, right? But um, see, here's the thing with submission. The word has been used in a bad way. Uh, it's like, you know, you think of the word fundamentalist. You think of those who blow up abortion clinics. Or you think of a uh, hundred years ago, you would say, hey, after church, we're going to throw a gay, a gay party. Meaning happy. And so things change. And so this word submission and what, what happens a lot in the Muslim countries and, and this. And so the word is like, oh, I don't know about that word. Humility is a wonderful thing. So let's, let's talk about this. First Peter 3.7. I think we have that one up there. First Peter 3.7. Wives. Wives. The NIV. It's not the nearly inspired version. It's a good version. Wives, in the same way, I, I, there's so many. Pastor Abraham, you prayed that I had freedom this morning. Didn't have to stick with my notes, and I'm following that. So, you got to tell you guys a joke. I tried using the King James this week. I'm like, I, what? What are they talking about? And it's a great verse. If you if you love it, stick with it. It's incredible. It's a Texas Receptus Receive Tech, and it's close to. I mean, it's a great translation. But I, for the life of me. Go fetch a compass. And, and so, so that's why God has given us certain translations many times. Now, there's some questions about the NIV who was on their board and, and, and how they take a little bit of liberty and, and th- different things. But overall, there's a lot of translations that are off, but there's a few that, that will not lead you astray. Wives, there's going to come emails from that one right there too. Think about this. People get upset like, okay, so tell me, your, your teenagers reading the NIV every day, all year, you're going to be upset at that? Uh, they're not going to go astray. Trust me. Trust me. Pray. We need more of that and less TikTok. So wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, may be, may, may, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. So the husband sees the gentle, caring, loving spirit of his wife, and that love draws her to Christ. So even the context, people take this verse out of context. The context is not just submitting, like, woman do this, machismo, you know, all this. It's actually submitting, is that funny? Machismo? Can I say that? Want me to speak Spanish? Mis padres son las tortugas ni danar muy bueno. Do you know what I said? My parents are turtles and they swim very well. 
So, <laughs> it's the only thing I got out of high school. Raquel, you threw me off track. I don't know, it's been all over social media. I don't know if you saw it, but the, one of the, the priests or the head of a satanic church uh, came to know the Lord this week because of the love he saw in other people. And so that's powerful. When they see the... We need a lot more love, don't we? My Lord. Even in the churches. I posted something about uh, you know the, the women's basketball player who's in Russia. And I say, hey, for regardless of your political views, we need to lift this young lady up in prayer. I'm pretty sure she's been humbled. And you would not believe the modern day Pharisees. Does she still hate America? What? What? what wait. What? See, we can't. That we don't have that love in our heart. We have to pray for those we disagree with. Hello. Jesus said it. Love your enemies. What good is it to you if you like those who line up with you? Love your enemies. Husbands, in the same way. Be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Men, could it be that your prayers aren't being answered because you don't treat them with dignity and respect? And that weaker there is we were designed differently. Men by nature have more testosterone. They're just stronger. Because why? To be the defender. And then the wife, the woman has stronger area attributes in other areas. So that's why we believe in complementarianism. We complement each other. And actually that word weaker uh, could mean of like a, a, a vase or a vase. Whatever you want. You know, and, and, and they have, they, it's this precious, expensive thing that you need to take care of. And so don't be don't be translating scriptures based on your own pride. Let God let God work in your heart. Your prayers, men, can actually be hindered by your lack of respect and reverence for your spouse. Demeaning them, putting them down, calling them names, joking in the wrong type of way. Biblical intersections. Here's some biblical intersections on where we need to yield. So you're coming up to a stop sign. Here's where God wants us to yield. Okay, it's going to get a little uncomfortable. You okay with that? Parents, yield to your parents, kids. Colossians 3.20 Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, this has been used and abused because obviously the context is he's writing to the church in Colossae. Christian parents who love the Lord. Or, you know, they're trying, they're, they're, they're walking, they're walking, and they want the, the Lord wants the kids to submit to the leadership of their parents and everything they're doing because they know what's best. And sometimes I, I laugh when my kids tell me things like, you don't think I know anything? Man, I've been through this loop a hundred times. You put that knife in that electrical outlet, let me tell you what's going to happen. You jump on the pool cover with the pool cover on, let me tell you, you're going to sink and all the pool cover is going to go, that happened to me, I almost died. So when I tell you not to do things, there's a reason behind it. Now, this is not telling kids to obey, to obey their parents and disobey the Lord, I believe. This, this is a clear teaching. There needs to be a respect and a reverence. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord, even if you don't agree necessarily with them. 
even if they could be maybe wrong in your eyes. But God is using, God is called the parent. We have to be responsible, men, right? Before God. We have to be responsible for how we led our family. I had an interesting conversation. I'm not going to get into details yesterday. And I told this guy, I said, I see where you're coming from. You have to do this. You have to lead this, whatever. But I have to lead my family. And we're not going to see eye to eye on this issue. Because I have a responsibility to make certain decisions. And that is the gift that God has given us. Civil authorities. Uh-oh. First Peter 2, 13-14 Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by Him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Now, this is... I would actually need a whole teaching on this. So I want to make sure I don't open up a big can of worms. But with Romans 13 as all as well, God has given us the institution of government. The way it's supposed to be done is they are to be a terror to those who do evil. So you don't like our law enforcement here in America? Go live in China. Go live in North Korea for a season. Go live in the Middle East. And you see how bad suppression and totalitarianism is. We are so blessed here in this nation. Yes, we've got pimples and warts and make mistakes. But we are blessed of God. And so that's his that's God's ideal about government that we submit. Now, what about though when that government then tells you to do something that disobeys God's word? See, that's that's where and that's where it happened with this whole COVID thing where it got really interesting. Is there's this ton, there's this friction like anything I've never felt before. On all the churches wanting to capitulate, just hey, based on Romans 13, versus others wanting to, you know, kind of push a little bit, and then even in that, there are some rebellious churches that were not, I wouldn't say really led of God, just too rebellious, too arrogant. Uh, but then you had a lot of capitulating churches, and then you had those caught in the middle, and like, how do we navigate these waters? And so, um, again, I, it would take me a whole sermon to teach on Romans 13. And if you get a chance, go back and listen to Rob McCoy's message he gave here. Probably a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And uh, he actually broke it all down pr- pretty nicely on our YouTube channel. But the, to suffice it to say, my attitude should be one of submission. It should be submitting to those in authority. Now, what about if the, if the authority is corrupt? Well, it depends how corrupt. What are they asking me to do? You see, that's why it's hard to really make a blanket statement. But I will tell you, I will tell you, that what we saw, even with the rioting and different things, and this lack of respect for our military and law enforcement, that is a spirit of rebellion. That is not a spirit of yielding to those that God has put over you. Now, of course, the argument, but some of these people are racist and have an agenda. And, and, and I got it. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't get rid of the whole concept. Like, did you see these, these cities defund the police movement? Have you lost your mind? And now guess who's recapturing? Oh, let's bring them back. These, the, many of these, these, these state, these cities that are ran by certain, certain people that want to get rid of, they think you can have utopia. You can't have utopia. What you'll actually do is you'll re- remove the restraining force and all hell will break loose. You think we look like a zoo now. You haven't seen anything yet when you remove that restraining force. So yes, in every area of life, you have people that are racist and have agendas and are going to push you down. Absolutely. But that's not the whole of everything. 
There needs to be a lot more respect and a lot more submission and yielding in these in this area. And if not, it has to do with a prideful, rebellious heart. Arrogant heart. And we've talked about this before. I mean, Pastor Abram, I mean, it is a true statement. In the black community, you do have to teach your children with police and law enforcement, hands on the steering wheel, they're, they're, they're going to fear a little bit more than I would being pulled over. That, I got it. I don't disagree. But you don't, you don't go against the whole concept of authority. And I think a lot of the problem that we have is on both sides is people are, are just hitting heads and they're, they're not submitting and humbling themselves. Arrogant law enforcement officers, bold and brazen in, in some cases. Or, and then others who are not submitting to that. And so my whole point in this is if you want to be led of God's Spirit, you want to have gentleness and meekness and full of, of the Holy Spirit, you want to do things for God, you want to make a difference, you've got to have this area of submission in order. Because if you're not submitting, you're actually out of order. And God won't direct something that's out of order. Do you ever wonder, why, why have I been so miserable the last 10 years or 15 years? Why am I so unhappy? Why am I so, why is nothing changing for me? I take it to prayer and I take it to all these things, but it's not changing. Could it be your attitude? Could it be in this area of submission? Now here's a good one. Each other. The next screen. Each other, Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Boy, oh boy. Could we, can you imagine just yielding to others? And just, you, you take that parking spot. You, I, man. I've got so much I could share. But I, I'll never forget, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. In the, cause I, I thought you heard, you've heard of stories, but I'm sure that never happens. But anyway, when we first came up here at this church, 2016, there was this lady, uh, I don't know if she's, she doesn't, I don't see her anymore, but she would like tell people you're in my seat. And like kick them out of her pew. Like, this is my seat. I sit here every Sunday. <sighs> Are you listening to anything I'm saying? Every week. Or what about the parking? You should see. I see some of the bad moves when you guys are, missed, are directed the other way. Hey, this parking lot's closed. You guys, what? I'm running. I'm running. I'm late. And, and see? Submission. It's hard. Because, why is it hard? Because inside of us is a spirit of rebellion. That's why I say you have to humble yourself when you have a renegade, cutting loose spirit of rebellion. God doesn't bless a rebel. God blesses those who are humble and submitted to Him. Doesn't mean you're not bold, but it means you are submitted to the, to want to, to the needs of others. Now, here's one that gets a little controversial. I've, I don't think I've, I've, I've I probably haven't read this scripture in years because I don't want people thinking, "Oh, there he goes." Just like tithing, right? Obey your leaders and submit to them. Obey your leaders and yield to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So, another dynamic that happens in churches is, and he's not telling you to submit to false doctrine or he's not telling you to submit to a church that is ungodly or to Leaders that are abusive. You know, there's, there's obviously something there, but as the leadership of this church submits to the needs of the body, 
which we do that more than you even realize. I mean, let me tell you, it, it's, it's, it's constantly submitting to the needs of the body. And then as a result, the body submits to the direction of the leadership. It's mutual submission, mutual yielding. And at this church, uh, I hate to burst anyone's bubble, but I am not the CEO leader of this church. This is not Shane Eidelman's church. So when you leave here, you say Westside Christian Fellowship, my church, our church. Because it's we are led by a plurality of elders. So I think David's here, David's back there, Abram's here, Joe's not here, I don't know if Brian, Brian's here. Um, and they, they, are, they lead the church, and I'm the equal, I'm the leader among equals. So I'm the loudmouth. I'm the one that gets the most criticism. I'm the one getting the most shots. I'm the one dealing with the most issues. And then others, it's a plurality, so making financial decisions. Where does the money go? Relational decisions. What happens? Do we ever have to church, uh, uh, fly church discipline according to Matthew 18? Let's all get together. And then if we've got four guys saying something and I'm, I'm off, I have to submit to that leadership. It's even in their bylaws that I can't do something if it's outside of the... So far, to my knowledge, I don't think we've ever really disagreed on anything profound. Um, the only thing they stopped me from doing is I wanted to send out um, something showing the difference between Mormonism and Christianity to, to all these homes in the Rancho Vista, because I was mad at all these Mormon missionaries going door to door. So my my attitude my attitude really wasn't right. Um, and so you know there there's other things uh, that that we just have a talk about. We we agree. And so what the church really does is they submit to a to a plurality of elders. Um, and the reason this can be challenging. How much time do I have? The reason this can be challenging sometimes is because we lead a vast majority of people. Uh, some are sitting on the sidelines. Some come now and then. Then there's a core group who's really involved. We know them well. Then you have the, the leadership. You have deacons, elders. And so you, you have to navigate this big picture. And what I mean by that is sometimes people, it's hard to submit for two reasons. Number one is the enemy will plant spirit a spirit of offense in our minds. All of us. Me too. And so we, we instead of erring on the side of grace, we want to question and challenge everything. Which, again, at, its, at, at the root is not a bad thing because you want to know what the church is doing. But often what people don't know, leadership often sees a fuller picture. So people are wanting answers. Or, or, or let's say, wanting, why, why is this happening? Well, we see a fuller picture. We see both sides of, let's say, an issue. Uh, for example, one big issue, I think we're pretty much on the same page now, but we all, we're all, all kind of you know, just working through this is um, with, the, with the seating problem, the best option is actually to get chairs. You, nice chairs, you can actually easily sit 50, 60 people more service because then all of you have to scoot in because we can see if there's an empty chair next to you. Uh-huh. But we're not, we're not in really a hurry to do that. And is that the best use of money? And so we actually do ask our core team, you know, 15, 20 people, what, do you, what are your guys' thoughts of this? And then when we did the, the roof, the $50,000 roof, we brought it up to the congregation. We told the, told the need. So as leadership, we have to be very wise because we've learned over the years that there's a lot of ch chatty cathies. There's a lot of, of gloomy gossips. We've been clear for a long time. We believe that God, part of our, our calling is missions, but not necessarily overseas, although we do have some. We support them. We will support more. Our mission, we feel, also is to our Judea, our Samaria, Ju Jerusalem, here to our own community and to our nation. Our heartbeat is for our nation to repent. And so we are going to probably spend more money 
on buying a radio station a different thing than another church would be who's gifted and maybe having missionaries. Or another church is focused on community networking and painting neighborhoods or painting houses in neighborhoods. So you see how that works? There's different, different, God has called different churches for different seasons or different reasons. And that's why we submit, okay, God is doing this here. We submit to that type of leadership, if that makes sense. Uh, and there's, there's different ways of doing things. Obviously, though, if a church is doing something wrong or there's big concerns, you know, if, if, if I pulled up in the, uh, in the 2022 Lamborghini, right? You might want, or even, I mean, you have to, we have to, we live in a fish bubble, so we're very careful with things. And if you're not being good stewards and say, we're asking for money every single week, we need money, guys, we need money, come on, you're like, well, what's going on? Where's the money going? And that's why you know, we paid off this facility a couple of years ago completely. The whole campus was paid off. We save. We have missions. We have a pie chart. If somebody wants to see it, they can see it. Uh, we actually operate very low on our administration costs at this church. is only 25%. Most churches are 50% of their budget goes to administration, church facility, and all that. We are very low. And everything else is, is, is factored in there. We also believe in being strategic with missions. For example, did you know... Uh, the average missionary cost, and this is from the Southern Baptist Convention, the average missionary will cost a church 85000 a year to support a missionary. We have found if you go to the area, indigenous people, and somebody who's already in Brazil, let's say, and you make that person a pastor, he's already a Brazilian, he already lives there, already knows the language, already knows the people, it takes about 3000 a year. So we can support 30 Indigenous missionaries, getting them Bibles, buying goats, pigs. You, you, you can do that. You can help with goats and milk and, and, and support that a lot more than spending money on somebody from the States going over. And so there's a lot of ways that not, not missionaries from the States aren't a bad idea. It's a good idea. God is, but you can see how people might do money differently. There's also a big church over here on the west, on the west side. I remember when I was in construction and finding out it cost like $18 million to build. I was kind of critical for a while. Um, and still, I think, you know, you can find a nice big industrial complex, two, two, three million, and really, you know, save some money. So I kind of got rid of my judgmental spirit. But see, I wouldn't do that. Why did you do it? And so, see, we, we just need a lot more grace on all sides. I, I, I personally still don't think that's a wise investment, but I'm going to leave that up between them and God. And we have to realize that not everyone is on the same page with things. And we wanted to fully exhaust the pew and chair issue for a while, get prices, what does this look like, what does it really do before we let anyone know. And even as of now, we're not, we're not going in that direction unless God changes that. Also, leadership has dual responsibility. We have dual responsibility. I have a responsibility to the congregation, number one, but then I also have a dual responsibility to, to God and to others in the congregation. So what, I might, what we might do here might hurt you. Does that make sense? So if we, if we, if we handle something a certain way for this group, this group gets offended. And so we have to, we have a, have a responsibility of, of, we have to, we have to take some things to the Lord and make some decisions based on uh, the needs of the church. Also, leadership should err on the side of confidentiality. Leadership should err on the side of confidentiality. So what that means is we don't always vent everything that's going on. Because you've got how many people watching us online all over the United States? And some people, this the church is like a treadmill these days. And I've noticed over the years that, uh, let's say t- over 12 years, is 
somebody will come and they'll they'll want to do something, or let's say um, maybe we'll we'll do something and make an appeasement. For example, the 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 communions in the Sunday mornings, great idea, right? Somebody brought that to our attention. Hey, that's not a bad idea. And then they're gone in six months. So we, we just we just did this for you, and now you're gone. And that happens all the time. People come, well, I think we should do this. Okay, that's a good idea. And then they're gone. So at what point do you say, you know what? Right now, I think it's just me and three people in this room that have been here the whole 12 years. And so we make decisions what's based on the whole church and going forward in the church and the future of the church. And so often we err on the side of confidentiality. So it doesn't mean we're being secretive. It means we're being selective. Just being selective on certain things. I know there was a church I used to go to. Um, me and my wife, we actually met there. And every week in the bulletin, I guess we don't have bulletins anymore, but they would print in the bulletin how much you know we collected 44000 that week. And I remember I was like, oh my Lord, 44000 in a week? I'm not giving. <laughs> like, what, am, I, am I alone in that? Who else would say, you're like, you've got to be kidding me. But also... People say, well, that's, that's transparency. Well, it is in some cases, but it also can be very detrimental in other cases. You don't, you, you, biblically speaking, there's some gray area there on how do you handle tithe and offering? Do you pass it around all the time? You tell, because I, the first couple of years, whenever we would say, okay, here's what we're doing. What do you guys think? You'd have 100, ask 100 different people. You have 100 different opinions. And especially when it comes to finances. For example, we have a pie chart. This much administration, this much of payroll, this much of missions, this much of budget, this much of savings. So we have it. We have that available. But not everyone agrees. Why aren't we spending more here? Why aren't we doing more here? Why don't you go plant a church over there? Would you have a 2.5 million? That's about what the building would. Well, why don't you do this? Why don't we pave this? Why don't we put grass back here? It's like, oh my goodness. Right? Because we all have different desires. Just like your own checking account. And so with the church, as a plurality, we make decisions on what is best for the body. And if there's something big, the roof, we mentioned the air conditioning units going out, or when we redid the flooring, and all, you know, we bring big issues to the congregation so they know. So that's basically the submission issue. There's a safety and a plurality of elders. That's why the Bible encourages that, because there is, is safety in submitting. Because here's what happens. I'm going to open up about my own self. When I would, I would go to churches and, and, um, hmm. Why does that pastor have a Mercedes? Now, I think we need to be careful, of course. You know, you don't want to be over the top. But I would say, why did they do that? Why did they, why did they build, um, um, that building? You know, I mean, there's a big one out there in West Palmdale. I won't name names. But I remember 18 million. I was in construction back then. 18 million? Why don't they just go? And I go, man, I was so critical. And God began to deal with me about a critical heart. Often. Because it's so easy to get offended. Everything can offend us if we let it. And so that's why yielding is so important. Does that make sense? I'm erring on the side of grace. I'm, I'm going I'm to err on the side of grace unless I know something is fact. See, that's the difference. Because many times we don't know something is fact. Actually, this week, uh, we had a, uh, it's going to be a pretty challenging situation here at the church. I don't know uh, with the certain issue dynamic going on with the uh, family member or family. I'll just leave it at that. But I, I mentioned to the guys, I said, listen, all of this is speculation and opinion. We don't have any proof. 
proof. This, this, and so we, Proverbs says to see both sides. Now I have a, I have an idea. I, I have, I have a, I have an insight. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is not going in a good direction. But before we act, we need the proof. And that's what a lot of people, they just, we just have to start erring on the side of grace, guys. Unless, of course, it's a big deal, main issue, you caught somebody lying, cheating. Of course, I'm not saying that. But the, the problem isn't that we err on the side of grace. The problem is that we err on the side of judgment. And that's where it gets really challenging. I don't know if I put this quote up here from Leadership Pain. It's a book I'm, I'm, I'm reading right now. The best leaders have to endure the most pain. I wish I read this 12 years ago. Many can never have more influence because they didn't have a big enough leadership pain threshold. Isn't that amazing? If you are not hurting, you are not leading. Now, I'm hoping this might help somebody. This isn't just a book for, for pastors, but this is just in general. That pain threshold, you've got to be able to deal with pain, relational pain. And that's how you grow. And God will only give you what you can handle. And those who can deal with the most pain, often God begins to give more people and more influence and more things. When we're, when we're pushing people, here's with Westside Christian Fellowship. Let me, this is a, one of the most true statements I've ever written. When you're pushing people to be closer to God, when you're convicting them to make deep, meaningful changes, when you're convicting passivity and calling out sin, your fan base drops significantly. Yes, you can take pictures. You can tweet it. You can write it down. Isn't that, that's just the truth. That's just the truth. I've noticed over the years, unless I want to turn into Joel Steen, or if I want to remain Shane Eidelman, I'm going to upset people. That's what God has called me to do. And, 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 and when you're pressing people to draw closer to Christ and get here for morning worship, you keep telling me to come to morning worship. Yeah, because I want you to draw closer to Christ. Well, I don't like that. Well, good. I'm just telling you. And when you begin to convict them about areas of their life, they don't like it. It convicts them. And so your fan base completely drops. And you are now the target of their shots. Hey guys, I'm just teaching the truth. I'm just telling you what's on my heart, what Scripture is teaching, what we're going through. So again, back to this point. Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Ships are safest in the harbor, but they are not made for the harbor. Amen? Ships are safest for, for, in the harbor, but they are not made for the harbor. I've got some bad news and good news. What do you want to hear first? The bad news? I'm only halfway through the sermon. The good news is part two is going to be really good. So, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to um, rush through it. And one group of people I do upset more than any other group, two people, believers, carnal Christians and Pharisee legalistic arrogant Christians, because I call them both out. You want to know why? I've been both. I can go to this side real quick. Stop praying. Correct? Stop praying. No more worship. Let me get my great American country back on. George Strait. Alan Jackson. I'm going to date myself. Who's the new one now? Dirk Bentley and all. I'm going to get, I'm going to get carnal again. I'm going to get back into, let's have, let's have some alcohol at our Bible studies. 
Let's uh, and you start to get carnal again, and and let me go. I oh, you know what's out the movies? I know it's R. There's nudity, but man, it's so good. See, I'm drifting. I'm becoming carnal as a pastor. Or the Pharisee. There's someone has sin in this room today. There, there. Oh, hold on, hold on. There are sinners in this room. How dare you come into the house of God? You'll, the God's wrath is upon you. You'll never measure up. How dare you blow it? How dare you not live a holy, blameless, perfect life like me? I've been doing that since I was 18 years old. And they're red and they're upset. But I call them both out. The arrogance and the carnality. Carnal Christians. Guys, that's not, everybody's still laughing. I don't know what's so funny. That was too good though, huh? That was, they maybe there's some coming out of me. That was, that was so real, I guess I should say. But carnal believers will mock you. One thing I, Morgan, we've lost like friends over the years and thought we thought we were friends. But, and you're hanging out and it's like, hey, I, I don't really want to watch Harry Potter. I don't really want to get drunk tonight. I don't really want, what, what do you, and then I don't want to do that. Now they don't like me. Hey, I can't go to Laughlin and Vegas and, and, and do this all the time and I really want to seek out, oh, you, you super Christian. You're super spiritual. Carnality does not like to be called out. When you start talking about the fullness of the Spirit, worship nights or worship mornings or prayer and intercession and living a holy, blameless life, they don't like it. And let's not forget the vision Isaiah saw in 6. I'll talk about it Wednesday. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the whole temple. And the angels cried, holy, holy, holy. Actually, the seraphim, they covered their eyes and they covered their feet. They probably covered their eyes because they couldn't see the glory of God. And they covered their feet in shame. And, and they, they just cried, holy, holy, holy. And the doorpost shook. And that doorpost was probably 27 feet tall, 6 feet wide. And those foundations just shook with the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holiness of God. And so you can call people to holy. Holiness, and those who don't want it will rebuke you because they love their carnality. Don't call me out. I love my sin. So you have those against you as well. And anybody have family and friends against you? Whoo! Man! That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's like, I'm just trying to live for Jesus. Why all the hate? That's a good shirt. I just thought of that one. It's me. But isn't that true? I'm just trying to love Jesus. I'm just trying to follow God. Why do you hate? Why do you hate on me? Here's why your lifestyle will convict. You don't have to say a word. Oh, goody two shoes. You don't have to say, oh, have you ever upset anybody and you don't say a word? You just live your life. So be encouraged. That's part of the journey. And that's why these are so important. Let me just, let me read these. Matthew 10, 22. And you will be hated. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. Do we have it there? Oh, there we go. Matthew 10. It's, it's Isaiah 37. You see that one too? See, I wanted to break down this whole thing of in God's will, but the time clock kept ticking. But you will be in challenges in God's will. And that's why we need endurance. Matthew 10 
says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures will be saved, not give up. So that tells me I'm going to be hated. Get over it. Shane, not everyone's going to like you. They don't, not, you will be hated for my name's sake. When you say things from the pulpit, people will not like you. What am I supposed to do with that? Unless I'm misquoting or, or in error or in a lot of arrogance? Sure. But if I'm just preaching my heart out, people are not going to like it. Romans 5. We rejoice in our sufferings. No, 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 don't say that. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Galatians, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Hebrews, for you have the need of endurance so that you, when you have done the will of God, that tells me the will of God is hard. That tells me it's hard to submit to others. That tells me it's hard to err on the side of grace. That tells me it's hard to humble myself before God and others. That tells me repentance is going to come at a cost and I need to, to be able to endure when I know that God has called me to do this and you put up with the, the, the hate that is coming and the, the fiery darts of the enemy and you just keep moving forward. He says you need endurance to get through the will of God. You need endurance to post something on social media with all the, the hate out there and the secular uh, media and, and, and those who don't know Jesus. Do they mock you or do they say, that's a wonderful post? We all know the truth. Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will... Bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul says to the church in Philippi, I am convinced that God who began a good work in you will complete it. But it's going to be difficult. There's going to be challenges. Here's the thing though. Make sure you're not stopping that completion. Well, how can I stop that completion? Same way that the Israel was stopped from going to the promised land. Grumbling, complaining, bitterness, anger, arrogance, wrong heart, wrong spirit, not full of God, full of the flesh, that will sidetrack you. Oh, how do you know? Because it sidetracks me. Let me tell you. And God will bring it to completion. Now, He's also talking here about, I believe, the elect and those called of God and those who are, who are saved. That God will complete a work He's doing in you. It's not about us doing all these things. It's about God changing us. But the Bible I read has a lot of Scriptures about submitting to the will of the Father. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Make no provision for the flesh. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of verses that give me some responsibility. And, and we just don't want to get... Because yeah, I have run into people, Shane, man, you're, 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 you're too hard on people. You're just telling them all, what, just, man, just let them rest in God. Just let them rest in God while they're looking at porn, while they're ruining their life, while they're not being filled with the Spirit. You, you see, that, that's, that's, that goes both ways. I rest in the Lord. Lord, change me. Holy Spirit, fill me. But I have to submit. I have to yield to the work of the Spirit. When we talk about the filling of the Spirit, how do you fill something that's already full? Can somebody fill this with water? See, this is many Christians. This is arrogance. Arrogance, critical, negative. And they think they're filled with God's Spirit. 
That's why at Wednesday I'm talking about woe is me. I am undone. We need to get back to that. I am completely undone. I am broken. I've seen the Lord of glory. My eyes have seen the King. And you empty yourself of self. It's empty. And then you say, Lord, fill me. Fill me up, God. Spirit, fill me up. And then from this filling of the Spirit, you begin to go out and do things for God. doesn't mean your marriage is going to be perfect. It might be harder. Like people come, how do you and Morgan, you, you, Shane, how do you and Morgan just love each other and walk on clouds all day? And the house is always clean and there's no arguments. It's just this, this goal we have to obtain. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. Why? Humble yourself. Yield to the spouse. Yield to the needs of the children. Humble yourself under the hand of mighty, under the mighty hand of God. In due time, He will exalt you. Can we all admit that pride has got us in a lot of problems? We have to, we have to humble ourselves. So He has, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. But I want to throw this out there. Has He, has He begun a good work in you? Because a lot of people say, yeah, that's a good verse. That makes sense. But, that's for believers. If He has not begun a good work in you, you have to repent of the sin. You have to repent of the, the thing that's, that, that, that's blocking that relationship. That's what repentance is. I, I, I remove this block. Lord, I need Jesus. And so look in your heart. Have you truly surrendered your life to Christ and become guilty over your sin and gave it to Jesus and let His blood cleanse you? Not that you went to church, not that you're a good person, not that you own a Bible. But have you really had this life-changing experience? John Newton wrote an incredible hymn. One of the lines, it says this, My conscience felt and owned its guilt and plunged me into despair. I saw my sin, His blood has spilt and helped to nail Him there. And it goes on to bring that person to repentance a full surrender, and if you truly don't know Him, you need to change that today.